This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. Episode 181, How to Identify and Improve Spending Habits. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And today we are talking about spending habits, focusing specifically on the habit formation part. We so often like to focus on the spending part, but not the psychological like triggers and background for why you mm-hmm. spend. So that is what we are specifically focusing on today. We've got to understand what's behind our behaviors if we want to shift our behaviors. So yeah, habits is a great place to start. Absolutely. Uh, but first... Today's sponsors. Our first live training sponsor in this show. Three secrets to pay off debt faster, even over the holidays. Yes, it can be done. We will be covering the three lessons it took us years and tens of thousands of dollars of debt paid off to learn, all in hopes of saving you some time and heartache on your debt-free journey. And if you're not paying off debt, maybe you're saving for something like your emergency fund or a home, these tips will still be relevant for you. So we're doing that live Sunday, October 17th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And everyone who wants to join us live, we'll get a free copy of our debt-free Christmas planner. Seats are limited, so head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash training. Grab your spot. By the way, it's free. Yes. Free to join the live training, free to get the debt-free Christmas planner. Just so much goodies we just want to give to you all because that's what we like doing. And even if you can't join us live, we will send out a replay, so still head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash training and grab a seat so that you can get that replay. But please, show up live and uh, we'll give you that debt-free Christmas planner as a thank you. Today's episode is also brought to you by your brain. Have you ever heard that you only use 10% of your brain? That's crazy because that's a total myth. <laughs> your if brain it sounds crazy, it is crazy. <laughs> your brain wants you to know that according to science – that is more recent than 1907 when that myth was created, um, that you actually use nearly 100% of your brain by the end of the day. So your brain wants you to give it a break once in a while, okay? And, and let habits take over. Your brain it is working for you. It is nuts. Even when you were talking about this sponsor, we both were like, how much of our brains do we use? We're like, 30%, well, 40%. You're like, I think even less. It's, it's like, changed. Oh. That sponsor changed in the last 30 seconds because I was reading multiple articles that said the 10% thing is a myth. And I was like, oh my goodness, people need to know about this. There's so much less shame then attached to it because before it's like you only use 30%. So do better, work harder, try and use more of your brain. It's like you you are. You're using all of yeah. your brain. You're never going to be Neo. So like forget the blue and red pill. Like you're already there. You're fine. <laughs> Give yourself some grace. 
Anyways, speaking of grace, habits, am I right? Mm. Hard to build, hard to break. (laughs) Hard to build, hard to break. Yes. So that's what we're talking about today, specifically on spending habits, because we like to talk about all things that can be used to improve your life, but we put a financial spin on it because that's our zone of genius. And we are talking, uh, we have a few different websites, and this is the next challenge that we're doing in Club BFF is a 45-day habit challenge. And by the end, you're going to see why we chose this challenge to do after the core values challenge and why specifically it is a 45-day challenge versus a 21 or uh, 66 or whatever. So I am super excited to dive into this. And and you have, Jill, like, I feel like this is your zone of genius as well. Mm. I love it when we can blend mental health, behavioral health with financial health, because mm-hmm. they, they all do go together. They're never separate. We just don't always connect the dots. So yes, this is definitely up my alley to be able to talk about some of the reasons behind why we behave in the way we behave, how we interact with the world around us, and then how we can utilize our understanding of these topics to help us towards our financial goals. Yes. So our first article is from Money Habitudes, and it's basically understanding your money habits. What do you think of this one, Jill? It's a good one. It's short and sweet. I will Mm -hmm. say there's a couple of things in here that I'm going to push back on a little bit, which is always fun for me, spicing (laughs) it up. Overall, it's got some great content. There's just a couple of things I'm going to highlight about what they say and share just a bit of a differing opinion on that. But in general, some great stuff here just about patterns and habits, how they relate to spending, a little bit about how we can shift that, although that's going to come more in the second article. Yeah. So the first way, the first thing on this article, we're just going to kind of go through. It's not it's not a list, there's not tips, but they do talk about what is what are spending habits, what are some examples, how do these habits form? So we're just going to kind of go through those aspects. And so the way that they describe spending habits is an acquired behavior pattern that can seem almost involuntary, where these things that we do somewhat without even thinking about it, I wouldn't push back on that. I I think that's a, a decent definition of a habit. Although I think that there's this underlying tone of the article that seems to indicate that habits are bad. And I just want to say habits are neutral. Habits are, we can have unhealthy, unbeneficial habits, and we can have awesome, excellent habits. The goal is to use our propensity towards habituating something in a beneficial way for us. We want to use it to our advantage, but there's no reality where we're just going to get rid of habits. It's how we interact with the world around us. So I, I think a lot of what they seem to say seems to indicate like all of your spending habits are bad and I just want to say no, no, they're not. <laughs> Some we want to identify which ones are not helpful for us and shift right. them. But yeah, yeah, I I liked this like definition. It's I think we have a uh, we have impulse spending and then we have habitual impulse spending, which veers off from impulse spending and just becomes that habitual mindless spending. And I think one of the examples I've used frequently in my life is that when I would leave my, I think it was either weekend job or some, I would leave somewhere and I would go past the Chipotle and I would always find myself in line in Chipotle and not even realize how I got there. It was just like, a, it was a habit because of that preceding event. So that's when these things become mindless that's when we need to step back. And sometimes it's helpful to do like a seven-day no-spend challenge so you can kind of step back and see what are my habits? What are the things that I'm doing I'm not even aware of? What are the things I think I need but I actually don't? And become aware of these habits so that you can improve them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, habits are neutral. You could love and appreciate 
your Chipotle habit and it works in your life because, you know, you make a million dollars a year. So then Chipotle is like, whatever. <laughs> Chipotle, Chipotle is you saving money. <laughs> right. So I, but I didn't and I do not. And so it was uh, something I wanted to improve. So again, mm-hmm. yes, let's reiterate, habits are neutral, but some get us to our goals faster than others. So there is no guilt or shame in any spending habit. Mm -hmm. So they give further definition and highlight that a habit is usual usually occurs when you have a given set of similar conditions or circumstances, and you act similarly each time. So again, it's it's this pattern, cycle, habitual nature, and where I will push back again on this article is with the examples that they give. Some of these writers are not great with examples, but that, that's all right. You know, they, they, <laughs> they are always, here hustling. Yeah, they use extreme examples because it's easier to like not argue with them. Like they don't want to get bashed in the comment section. Well, here I am about to push back <laughs> saying that, you know, it's a habit if you always give to charity at the end of the year or you have a habit of spending on a souvenir t-shirt on a vacation. And I would say that's not a habit. That's not a regular pattern. No, no, no. That's a ritual or a tradition. If you're only doing something one time a year, sorry. Uh, money habitudes. This is not a habit. That's that's a ritual or a tradition that mm-hmm. you have. Habits are these regularly occurring, given a certain set of circumstance, you act in a similar way, almost without thinking. It's like muscle memory. So that's what we're talking about, not your charity giving one time a year. They also says you always wait until the last minute to buy a plane ticket. That's a personality defect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So none of their examples are good. Hate to say it. But yeah, how they're describing this, I would agree with. I think you can. And so this comes from uh, James Clear, who's actually the author of the next article. Spoiler alert. But there are several specific things that precede a habit. And so this can be a time of day. This can be a location, a preceding event, like mine was with the Chipotle. It was leaving a place of work. It can be an emotional state, and that can be emotional, positive or negative, or it can be a person. So like whenever I go see a family member I don't like, I have to, you know, psych myself up with a Starbucks on the way or something. So if I show, if I see you showing up to my house in Starbucks, <laughs> I know <laughs> she really had to ramp herself up for this. That is an example that is not real for me. But, you know, so, so these are the things that you are doing constantly um, that have kind of like one of these cues. That's how you can tell mm-hmm. that it's a habit. Right. And so we also then would look at, well, how do these habits form? And you've touched on that a bit, Jen, the different types of circumstances that would lead to the formation of a habit, something that's ingrained in us, why we continue to operate in these patterns. And there's a concept within the field of social work that I feel like is helpful and what this article is also touching on classic foundational social work 101 is person in environment. It's also pie for short. So that's fun because we like food. (laughs) But this idea that we are directly connected and linked to the context in which we are living and where we're from. So person in environment, what is around us? Who's around us? What's the context in which we're living? This is going to play a strong role in in the people that we are, but absolutely into the behaviors that we've established, the habits and patterns that we operate within. And so if we want to look at how did these habits form, we absolutely have to look at, well, what's my environment? Where am I? What's the context in which I'm living? Who are the people around me? What is the actual location in which I'm living? What does my certain 
cultural, location, geographical context teach me about what I need, what's necessary, what I should be engaging in? How does that play into my own wants and desires? Are they actually my wants and desires, right? There's a whole Mm -hmm. digging process here. But essentially, we can't separate ourselves from our environment. So the people around us, culture and society, even our religion or spiritual beliefs, our own unique personalities, because yeah, it's the nature versus nurture topic as well, the media, and again, friend groups. So these are the influences that bear upon habit formation. Absolutely. I think community has a huge role to play in how we spend habitually. It's the people you spend the most time around that you pick up on their mannerisms and habits. So that can be at work um, or out of work. I think that's a I think that was a big reason how I developed a lot of my spending habits. But yeah, and uh, I loved when we, so in, in Club BFF right now, we're going through the core values challenge. We're finishing it up. And in the book that we're reading with for the book club with it, kind of learning how some core values can be developed out of lack. Like if you had, if you didn't have something or you lacked something growing up, that can cause that in adulthood to be a core value for you. And I think the same can be said for habits as well. I think if you lacked something growing up or, you know, even feel like you lack something in your adult life that others have, I feel like that can create a compensation habit as well. Mm -hmm. I've seen that in my life too. Yeah. And we build upon our experiences as much as I don't want to harp too much on childhood. That is part of this, that we probably carry with us some habits and behavior patterns that we established in childhood. And that's why this article talks about, you know, why is it so hard to break spending habits? And they use this illustration of water like weaving a river through rock and it would be it would take a catastrophic event to shift the trajectory of that water like they're going to take the path water takes the path of least resistance and it carves its way in that manner and similar to water carving its way through rock and desert are our patterns that sometimes these can become so deeply ingrained and entrenched in us and have been our habits and patterns over years if not decades and so is very difficult similarly to that since it's relatively involuntary built in we're not always thinking about it it's going to take a lot of effort and intentionality and understanding of ourselves to be able to shift the trajectory of that water because we do we want to take the path of least resistance Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like we, by the end of the day, have used almost 100% of our brain capacity. So we are dealing with decision fatigue and just overall physical exhaustion. And so that's why most of our day is made up of our habits. There are habit writers who say you are your habits, which I don't think I would go that far, but you spend a significant amount of your time, if you take a week and you record everything you do every day for a week, you're going to see a lot of patterns and you're going to have to record every hour or so because you're not going to remember the things that you did in an hour, like an hour from now. So it's hard to remember everything you did in a day because so much of it is on autopilot. And there are definitely, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many times like I will be in one place and just go on autopilot and end up in a different place. <laughs> how did I find myself here? Yeah. <laughs> and and then it's kind of scary, uh, um, especially <laughs> if that place involves driving. But yeah, so much of our life is habits. And so again, habits are neutral. So you can just focus on your habits, change those. And even ones that don't specifically cost money can have a financial component too. So Mm -hmm. figuring out how to change habits and improve habits, that's kind of like the verbiage we want to focus on. Yes. Utilizing this information to our benefit. Mm Mm-hmm. 
AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. So, that anything else on this one? Nothing else. I really think we're ready to talk about how do we use this knowledge to our advantage and how can we shift habits that we want to shift and maintain habits that are benefiting us. Absolutely. So now we get into my favorite habit writer of all of, I've read a lot about habits. I've read a lot of books about habit formation, habit psychology, all of that. And James Clear in the book Atomic Habits really has been my favorite. There's a reason why it has sold over 5 million copies. And I only know that because I'm literally reading it on the website right now. But so we're actually going to be reading that during our book club for the 45-day habit challenge. And this one is, uh, I think, a great kind of intro to all the things he talks about. There are just so many, so many aspects that really do relate so much to like a direct correlation to like financial components. Yeah. James Clear has been a frequent flyer for us in these articles. We also referenced an article of his in our goal setting episode. That was back in, it's back in the archives at this point. It's an episode within the 90s. I want to say like 97 I think or it was something. at the beginning of 2020. So yes. of course, goal it, setting was, for 2020. That was, right. <laughs> that was all wiped out. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry about that. We Didn't had the best coming. intentions. Yeah. Gosh. Anyways, this one is how to start new habits that actually stick. What do you think of this, James Clear? And this is actually an excerpt from the book. Yes. So much content jam-packed, and you'll see it in our show notes how much we just wanted to highlight for you all. So many goodies, and I would absolutely direct any listener just to go and read the article because we're not going to be able to dissect every single part of this. But I think he does a really excellent job with graphs, explanations, examples of the process of building a habit and the process of reestablishing habits. I think it's a really excellent step-by-step. And yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah. The first part, um, up in the top, it says the three R's of habit change, but this actually doesn't cover that. Um, But it does introduce the four stages of a habit. And so I specifically like this one versus the original, it's called the habit loop. The original habit loop only had three parts. And so Clear added a fourth, well, he he added a second part. He added one between the first and second. So now there's four. And it makes a lot more sense when you're dealing with habit change versus just understanding habit theory. So the first one is Q. So all four of them are Q, craving, response, reward. The original one is just Q, response, reward. But the Q is like what I I was saying in the first article. It's It can be that time, location, preceding event, person, whatnot. So that that's the cue. 
of that. And then the craving is kind of, it's like what you, what you want. What does that, what craving does that cue trigger? And so for me, I see a lot of correlation between the craving and our core values. So that's one of the reasons I really love this um, variation of the habit loop is because our cravings tend to be correlated to our core values or our highest values. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like when you first understand those, it's quicker to understand your habits mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how he describes that what you crave is not the habit itself, but the change in state it delivers. So mm-hmm. meaning, and he gives these examples, you're not motivated by brushing your teeth, but rather the feeling of a clean mouth. That's the end goal. That's that's what mm-hmm. the craving is for. It's not just the act. You, you don't want to turn on the television just for the sake of turning on the television. You do it to be entertained. So similar thing with any other habit we might identify. But I think that that's an important distinction, that it's not the act itself, it's what it's going to deliver to you. Yeah. And I mean, it's similar to the reward, like the craving is about wanting the reward. Yes. And so I think you can say, like, I think you can kind of sparse it out where you can figure out what's the reward I want and then connect that back to your values and insert that into craving. I think that'll be really helpful for understanding like why you want that reward. Maybe not on something as simple as brushing your teeth, but like when we're talking about spending habits, that can be really useful. Absolutely. Yeah. So then the next thing is response. So cue craving, then we've got the response, which is the actual habit you perform. It's the response to the cue and the craving. And it depends, it does depend on our ability, the energy and effort it takes, and our degree of motivation. So again, thinking back to that path of least resistance, sometimes these habits that we have that don't feel super beneficial to us might have to do with the level of energy ability that it takes. So, and he uses an example later on in the article, like you could want to have a habit of every time you play basketball, you like you dunk. But if you can't, if you can't jump and reach the basketball hoop, like you're out of luck. So (laughs) when we talk about shifting some of these habits that we also have to be realistic about ability, energy that it takes, how attainable is this, but that's what the response is, the actual action. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then we have reward, which we just said is the satisfaction of the craving. So that's a habit. And then the reason it's a loop is because if we get the reward and the reward is satisfying, then the next time the cue comes up, we repeat it. And so that's again why these are mindless and frequent, not like once a year or once a month things that you have to schedule in. These are automatic And you don't have to think about it because your brain is tired because you've used 100% of it. Yeah. And then he utilizes this term that this becomes the cue, craving, response, reward becomes a neurological feedback loop. Once, Once this happens enough and we correlate the reward really back to whatever that cue was, that creates that feedback loop in our brains. And so that's that, that's that river flowing through the mountains. We are then more and more likely to keep doing that thing because our brain then starts to make that connection. And we want to keep closing that loop. We want to keep engaging in that loop, closing that loop. And it's really training our brains to engage in this pattern of behavior. Yeah. So then he gives two frameworks, which is essentially one framework, but it's called the four laws of behavior change. And so these are the rules for creating good habits and breaking bad ones. He says bad, but but I've... We tend to see it as just like, how do we replace a limiting habit with a, I don't know, more efficient habit or just not even better habit, but a habit that gets us to our unique goals faster. Mm -hmm. And so he, he says, focus on the good habit first, figure out what the bad habit is, figure out what a better habit is to replace it with, then make a plan for incorporating 
that habit. And so the four laws for the good habit, I don't want to use the words good and bad, but they're just the ones I'm automatically using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So beneficial, like, unbeneficial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it has to be correlates with each part of the habit loop. So make it obvious, make the cue obvious. So you have to be able, that cue has to be obvious. The craving has to be attractive, which is why I think it's perfect to associate it with core values because those are internal motivators that are far more powerful than external motivators. Make it easy. So the habit has to be easy. We have to start with easy habits. And then the reward has to be satisfying. So if it correlates to a core value, it it is more naturally satisfying. If you can, none of this is 100%. This is just like frameworks that are helpful. And sometimes I think with new habits we want to incorporate, we don't always receive the satisfaction immediately. And I think that's part of why we need to be implementing this on a regular basis. Some Mm -hmm. of the satisfaction of it comes in time as we continue to engage in this and make it a new habit, right? So exercise comes to mind. You may not experience the satisfaction of the first day of exercise. It might just be pain and turmoil. But Mm -hmm. by day 30, you might be seeing some of the satisfaction and reward, which can also then help you to keep engaging in (laughs) that exercise habit. Yeah. I mean, that's such a good point. Like, So my most recent habit that I wanted to implement was to work out more. I was already working out two to three days a week. But I really, over the summer, over um, eight weeks, I wanted to go like five or six days a week. I just wanted to set up a time where I was going more, like not sustainably, like I can't sustain five, six days a week, but I wanted to try it just for a set amount of time. Because, and this is another myth, it doesn't take 21 days to form a habit. I think that is more general knowledge now than the 10% one. But I think I was telling you, now it's um, the reason the 21-day thing was they came up with it is because of a academic article that was sent from um, doctors who like redid people's faces. It took their patients an average of 21 days to get used to the reconstruction of their face. And so that's it was misconstrued over all of these years to be to be this habit rule. But recent studies have shown that it actually takes an average of 66 days. So and I mean, and one was as short as 18 days to build a habit. Mm. So and science has also shown or studies have also shown that it's more so repetition that ingrains a habit than it is our desire to get the habit. So this is totally different from our values. It's just, it's repetition. That's how we can get to these things that we have a habit of doing, but don't particularly want to do, don't serve our habits. And so if you can do something over 66 days and maybe do it, I don't know, 45 times, either 45 days in a row or 45 days over, you know, two months or whatever, that's a better indicator that you will stick with it long term. And so for me, I for eight weeks, I went to the gym mostly five days a week. Some days were four, but mostly five days a week. And now that my little challenge for myself is over, now I want to go to the gym like five days a week. I want to do that. My body is like, please give me rest. But I I now desire that. Yeah. It became a habit where I drop Kai off, I go to the gym, I come home, shower and start work. And I love that routine. Mm. Well, I think that's something that I like about these laws of behavior change is that we do get to decide what they are. So we do have an incredible amount of power and influence over the establishment of new habits and the elimination of non-beneficial habits. But what James Clear is saying is we can decide what the cue is going to be. 
Mm-hmm. We can make the craving be attractive. We can make it easy. We can make it satisfying. And so some of this might just then intertwine with our own perspective that the reward attached to, if we're just going to keep using exercises as an example, it doesn't have to be that I see immediate changes in my body. The reward could be I have made a healthy decision for myself. I accomplished a goal today. There's the self-satisfaction in that, right? We can decide what the reward is as long as we know that it is a motivating reward for us. Whatever, we need to find something though that we can attach to it that is going to help us continue to do this thing. But yes, some of it is just repetition, just continuing to Mm -hmm. do it, but at least allow the fact that I engaged in that new habit this thing that I'm trying to make a habit, I did it. I engaged in it. Allow that to be a yeah, self-satisfactory thing to say to your to you. I did it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do it again tomorrow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I also uh, like how he says that we can utilize this in the in, invert this, right? Mm-hmm. So where we're trying to make new habits, this is also where we can eliminate bad habits. So with the cue, it is uh, eliminating like not not making it so obvious. It is yeah, make it not invisible. making it attractive, not making it easy, not making it satisfying, right? Like what is the opposite of this mm-hmm. thing? That's what we would do with each of those cue, craving, response, and rewards. You can't always make the cue invisible, obviously. Like I can't stop leaving work. But you can you can work on the other things. Like you can explore your core values or explore who you are and what you want to be and develop those internal motivators that change what your cravings are. The more you learn about yourself, the more you know what you really want and what you really don't want. So some of those cravings will go away um, the more uh, intentionally you are about doing that. I mean, you can also take a different route home from work or leave at a different time of day or, you know, a number of things. So there are ways to shake up even these quote-unquote laws of habit change. But I love how it's, it's first you, you know, you figure out what your habits are and second, like you figure out once you've decided on a habit you want to change, First, figure out what's the closest thing to that that you can replace it with. Because I don't, did was it with you that I was talking about leaving the hole in the, oh, yes, I think it was in our YouTube video where it's like, if you dig a hole out mm. and you just, you know, just leave the hole, it's going to fill back up. With something. Yeah. With rain or other dirt or something, you know. But say you dig a hole and you put a bowl in there, then that hole is going to, you know, be there. It might, you know, the bowl might, you know, have fill up with some sand or something, but the hole in the dirt will still be there because you've replaced the air, you know, the gap with something. And so it's kind of the same with habit improving is that you have to take, if you want to take something out, you have to first figure out what you're going to replace it with so that you can have that on deck. And so we first, we figure out what that equal but different habit is going to be. We figure out how we make that attractive and satisfying, and then we think about, okay, so now how do I make the old habit unattractive and less visible and stuff? So I love that. Mm-hmm. There's some creativity to take. And problem solving and understanding mm-hmm. of self, because how I might make something obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying might be different from how you do it, Jen, even if the goal habit is similar what is going to seem rewarding and satisfying to each of us might be different. So yeah, there's definitely a personalization, individualization to this creativity, problem solving, and we love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, we can, we can learn from one another in this community of how did you implement n- new habits? How did you eliminate other habits? Sometimes it does take community to really understand how can I implement on this tool I've been given? Yeah, I mean... It's, it doesn't have to just be for spending habits. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said at the top of the episode, this is obviously, you know, for everything. Like most recently I was using it for the exercise. But, I mean, this can be for doing a side hustle or for, I mean, maybe less like 
like actions that can cost money, like perusing a store whenever you, like an online store whenever you get bored. So think of the like actions that can cost you money or make you money. And this can be relevant for changing those habits as well. Yeah. Yeah. As we talk about spending habits in areas where we can cut, I know we've talked about this before, but just, you know, simple tip. I, I find that I used to just shop the whole grocery store. Like I just go up and down aisles. And then I realized like, I don't need to go up and down every aisle. If I shop the perimeter, that's that making the queue invisible. I don't need mm-hmm. the stuff in the middle of the grocery store. So how about I just not go there? And then I'm not buying the things that are there. Yep, absolutely. But you know what I never want to make invisible? Ooh, this is a habit that is good and life-giving. I love uh, the cue that precedes this. And the reward of the The Bill Bill of the Week. right it's time for the best minute of your entire week maybe a baby was born and his name is william maybe you paid off your mortgage maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore duck bills buffalo bills bill clinton this is the bill of the week so this is my bill of the week it's been stressing me out all week is that i recently moved out of a home that's two bed two bath 1200 square feet and I hired a cleaner because the owner of the house would be moving back in. I had only lived there for eight months. The house, mind you, the house had also been cleaned professionally in September and December. When I got the invoice from this lady, she claimed to have cleaned for 17 and a half hours and I owed owed her over $500. She said she didn't take a lunch break and I quote, and not a single potty break. So I'm not quite sure what to do about it because the previous cleaner took four hours to do the same job. And this lady also claimed to have taken out every single light bulb and cleaned each light bulb. So if you all have any suggestions about how I can handle this, that would be awesome. Thank you. Wow, this is the first... Advice bill we've ever gotten. It is, but both Jen and I just like jaw dropped, especially at the light bulb part. Well, and the potty part. I can't get past that. That's on her. She chose not to take a lunch break or a potty break. I think if you have something to compare it to, like you should make your intentions known up front. Be like, it, I had this professionally cleaned in September. And she billed me for this many hours. So this is kind of, this is what I expect for this one. And, you know, she was able to clean the entire house doing these. And surely you agree on what they're going to do before they do Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. So like, if you didn't need every single light bulb cleaned, then, and that wasn't in the description of what you'd be getting, then you can argue that you don't have to pay for that. I think it's easier because you have something to compare it to. If you don't, then you can kind of argue like, hey, this was your list of services. This is what I paid for. This seems outside of the scope of uh, what I agreed to. Mm -hmm. That would be mine. Yeah, I would encourage you to, to go back to whatever communication you did have. I recognize a lot of time with cleaning jobs, we don't have signed contracts. But if there is a text message or email exchange, just to go back and reread what was asked of her, what did she communicate she was going to do? I mean, 17 hours of cleaning is, in my estimation, really above and beyond what one time being in, in a home would be. So how do you even that's an entire yeah, like right day there, of being there. There is something unusual happening there. So just I would encourage you utilize the communication that you already have and see where there's room for negotiation with this woman. Certainly don't have her come back again if she's charging you things you're not you're not comfortable paying. But hopefully you can find a reasonable agreement between the two of you. I'm so sorry that this bill has been stressing you out. Mm, I'm so sorry. But yeah, I mean, 
and if anybody else kind of deals with this with service providers, it can be hard to figure out the time that they actually did work. You can't kind of micromanage them, but you can ask around and see, okay, for this, and you can get different quotes from different companies and be like, okay, I have this that I need done. How many hours do you anticipate that taking? And get it from their mouths. If, you know, if somebody comes to you and says, okay, for this job in this square footage, I anticipate four to five hours, and then they come back at you with a bill for 17, like you, you know, that's insane. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we don't just get to go into people's homes, do what we want, and then expect to be paid for it if that wasn't what was agreed upon. So it just, yeah, it's a matter of what was communicated from the start. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you have a bill question or you want to share a bill with us, then please share it and and we will, you know, we'll ask Abby it, I guess. Ask Jen and Jill. <laughs> and you can submit that at frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Now it's time for the lightning round. So we are, like we said, doing a 45-day habit challenge in Club BFF starting November 1st. And so we we will be opening that up if you want to join and do that with us. You're going to get our our 45-day habit challenge workbook. And more, more than that, you're going to get the availability of like a small group accountability uh, matching. So that is a really big incentive for joining Club BFF. But so we wanted to share the habits we are going to be working on during the 45-day habit challenge. Jill? Mm. (laughs) I read what yours is. (laughs) I know. I don't know if it's better for me to go first or second because mine's so low key. Um, (laughs) Flossing. I'm not going to lie. It's a habit that I really want to build and implement. I have begun. I think that the 45-day habit challenge is really going to help me stick to it. But I just recently went to get my teeth cleaned, which had not happened in five years, you guys. Authenticity. Jen loves vulnerability and authenticity for the lightning round, so I'm giving it to you. Mm-hmm. I just not, real zingers of yeah, vulnerability. Right, like and kind of like what disgusting I vulnerability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had not been in five years. And I went to a dental hygiene school. So where these young bucks are learning the trade of dental hygiene. And I went and allowed them. So it ended up being that they you get a three-hour appointment. I'm totally going off script here. But here you go. You, they give you a three-hour appointment and you get your x-rays and cleaning and dentists are coming in and checking their work and all this. So yes, you do like sacrifice time for the very, very low rate of a dentist appointment. 
but she told me that my teeth were so dirty that I needed to come back again for another three-hour appointment. So within one week, I sat in this girl's chair for six hours while she worked inside my mouth. Y'all, she almost replaced me as the frugal friend because her and Jill got so close. Almost, almost. Oh, but anyhow, I think this then highlighted for me that flossing is going to be important. I mean, mind you all, there were no cavities. So I am a little bit proud of myself there. And that's probably just like DNA. I got it from my mama. But she gave me some really helpful tips, well, or reasons to floss. She's like, you know, you floss the front and the back of your teeth. It's not always about just getting food out. It's also about disrupting the bacteria. And for whatever reason, that stuck with me. And I have been trying to make my (laughs) apprentice dental hygiene woman proud of me. So... I am trying to floss on the reg. My cue is putting the floss right next to my toothbrush. My craving is to make this woman who was in my mouth for six hours proud. My (laughs) response is flossing and my reward is that good, clean feeling and making this woman proud of me. And disrupting the bacteria, honest to goodness, every time like that replays in my head, like I disrupted the bacteria, I disrupted the bacteria. That's uh, so fun. That's (laughs) such a fun thing. So all my other friends who out there floss in the good kind of floss in (laughs) that leaves your teeth clean. Yeah. Hit me up. Let's talk about it. Let's keep motivating each other in this habit. How about you, Jen? How about your altruistic, like, incredible goal? Stop it. <laughs> um, so I, so my goal is to actually read the Bible more. And, I mean, Jill, you are inspiring to me doing this more regularly. But I, yeah, have gotten out of that habit and I feel like it, um, for a lot of beneficial reasons, that if you are somebody who reads the Bible or enjoys the Bible, would understand. And so I've just been kind of feeling spiritually drained over 2020 and, I mean, a lot of 2021. And I think I've been trying to like muscle through my life myself. And I've always been, you know, very encouraging to other people to let go of things and give, you know, give that up. And and what happens, happens, happens for a reason. Yet I am um, not great at taking my own advice. And so in order to get back to the core of like why I do what I do and who I do it for, like that is the habit that I will be working on for 45 days. And I've already started that's what happens when you're like writing the workbook is that you start implementing it early. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to do it yourself if you're going to tell other people to do it. And so I am currently on a three-day streak. My cue is I set my alarm at 6 a.m. And I will – actually, I snooze it for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's classic. And, but in the five minutes, like I figure if I, I'm going to – I'm going to pray first. I might as well be in bed with my eyes closed, you know, in you know, there. prostrate. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I do for five minutes. And then the snooze goes off and then I get up and, um, you know, I'll make myself some coffee and, and do that. And um, till seven and then I'll, you know, get myself ready and Kai ready. The craving is obviously to is a a stronger spiritual connection and then the reward is you know just having that you know i think that's part of our our being is to you know want spiritual connection and mm-hmm. that is what i want it's beautiful jen i support you and encourage you in this endeavor Thank i think you. even the practice of having an hour of stillness before, especially as a mother, before you get your child out of bed, my goodness, the Mm -hmm. mental, emotional, relational, spiritual benefits of this practice are incredible. But yeah, so often it's so hard to get. Sleep just is such a powerful (laughs) desire, but yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited to follow this journey for you. 
Me too. Yeah. We'll see. Three days strong. Um, (laughs) Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We love hanging out with you all. We hope that this was a helpful episode for you. If you've got habits that you're trying to build or trying to eliminate, definitely hang out with us in the Frugal Friends community on Facebook hit us up on Instagram. We we love to hear more, learn more, problem solve together. So do that. But we also want to thank you for your kind reviews on iTunes and Stitcher like this one. It comes from Hemnes. Hemnes. It happens to be five stars. Hemnes. Yeah. Fantastic. I love this podcast so much. Jen and Jill have given me great ideas and tidbits to apply to my own life and situation in every episode. I look forward to new episodes every week. Ooh, Hemnes. My favorite part of that was the word tidbits. Given tidbits. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it could be like like Hermes, like that, that um, Emnes. Oh, I, I like know. that. I'm going to go with that. Mnez, thank you. <laughs> we also want to thank um, all of you who share these episodes on social media. We're so appreciative for you spreading the word so that we can spread the message of conscious consumerism and improving habits with more people. Uh, And so when you share the latest episode and tag us on Facebook or Instagram, we're going to add you to our monthly drawing where for every five tags and reviews we get each month, we give away a copy of the Frugal Friends workbook, which is no longer available for purchase. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, just a little incentive. An exclusive reward. So keep leaving us reviews on iTunes or Stitcher and send the screenshot to frugalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to also tag us on social. Feel free to make that one a habit every week after you listen. Just share it on social media. It'll enter you for this reward. You'll also have the reward of our gratitude and just giving back. Absolutely. With that, we will uh, see you next week. Bye. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. So is podcasting a habit for us? Like we do it weekly. Is it a habit? We do we do it more than weekly. Well, we um, we, yes. we put out an episode weekly. I don't know. It starts to get so into the weeds, like because then 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 what? Work is a habit. I work every day. I, for actually, I don't believe podcasting is a habit for us. <laughs> it's a gift. Um, we have to. <laughs> it's a gift. <laughs> we schedule it yeah. and we follow through with our schedule most yes. of the time, unless we're sick. It's a goal. Um, it's an endeavor. Yeah, you did not want to hear me record this episode a week and a half ago. It's a passion it would have not project. been pleasant to your ears. Oh, you were sick. How are you feeling now? Great. I feel great. Back to normal, taking my immune boosters and so that I don't get sick between now and Tuesday when I fly out. Oh, yes. Got to get there. Got to get with those FinCon peeps. Home stretch. Yes. <laughs> my money nerd. Yeah, this that will have already happened by mm. the time this comes this out. Comes and out. Um, So how was it? <laughs> I so if you want to I mean I just got my FinCon um sweatshirt in the mail it doesn't come from FinCon but it it says um party now work never and I got it to wear at FinCon so if you would like to see it DM us and I will show you pro- I'll I'll find a picture of me wearing it at FinCon and I'll send it to you and Jen hopefully got it'll it. be like candid where somebody's looking at me weird um, and I'm partying. You got it in the mail today. You're so proud of it. The thing that makes me laugh most about it, I mean, it's a funny sweatshirt, but it's also so incongruent with who you are. You do like to party. but I do love to party. But you party responsible 
in a planned manner and you work always. <laughs> so. Work work always. So it's party actually in short scheduled bursts yes. once a year. Party later, work always is actually a little bit more what life is like for you. But, but one of the girls listen. at my gym, she saw me after not having seen me since we went out and she um she playfully mocked me by dancing. And I was like, yes, this is how I want to be known. Um, (laughs) Like, this is how, when you see me, I want you to think of that. Wait, because of the time you and I went dancing? Yes. Yes. Um, That's how, that's 100% how they know me. And I'm good with that. Yeah, that's all, that's all they know. So that what? one night, Jen and I just let the frugal friends let loose. <laughs> let our frugal freak flags friends fly. <laughs> You're just trying to find all the I did, alliteration yeah. there. Uh, the- that was not on video and it will never be. It'll never be. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 